The reading comes from Mark chapter 9, verses 1 to 13. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, they were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. This is the word of the Lord. Because we're starting this series on discipleship. It's a theme that we're going to come back to several times through the year uh, because the Church of England believe that discipleship is one of the key features uh, of this time uh, for our communities. Uh, And he talked about uh, opening our eyes, being able to see God and know God, to be able to um, encounter God that our lives may be changed and then Uh, as one disciple aims to bring another person to that same recognition. So our role as disciples is to learn about the kingdom and to know whom we are following. Well, Marion and I have uh, enjoyed a couple of weeks in America, San Diego, in the sunshine, in shorts and T-shirts with our son. It was lovely. Uh, But it reminded me again, yeah, you've had rain and all sorts of cold. It's been cold here, hasn't it? I'm so sorry for you. Um, We've had a great time, but it reminded me again, being in America, how there is a television on virtually every single surface. You can't go into even a high-quality restaurant without the TV being on the wall. And... Uh, most of the time, it seems their, their diet is primarily NFL, American football. And it plays the whole time. And they still have cheerleaders uh, beside the pitch doing their thing, scantily clad, um, which I can't quite get my head around. Uh, and they have uh, a huge following, particularly college Football. This is just their university. Uh, my son did his PhD in Boston University, and their 
uh, football pitch is in a, a small stadium which seats 42,000 people. And that's just one college of about 12 in Boston. I mean, it's astonishing the following that they get. And then uh, last Saturday, I was sitting with Marion having a coffee, actually talking to someone from Nottingham who was part of a cycle club and heard our voice, so we were chatting. And, and down this, we were in an old town, old comparatively, obviously, relative, um, came a, an open-top car with a chap holding a flag up saying, follow Trump, America first. Now, this is not a political statement. It is just, uh, I mean, it caused um, a, a degree of, not necessarily consternation, but conversation, should we say. That this chap was driving down the street with a big flag. Most important for him was to follow Donald Trump. And the TV and the billboards everywhere uh, are already gearing up for their election later on in the year. You see, we all want to follow something or someone. And in biblical times, to be a disciple was more than just to be a fan. It was to be a cheerleader. It was to uh, learn and to be taught. But discipleship was more than that transfer of information. It was more than just a public display of support. It was imitating someone's life, inculcating their values, reproducing their teachers. And yet, there's that one man going down the street with a flag because he wants to change the world. What's one person? What is one person? What good can one person really do? Quite a lot if that one person is attached to another person and another person and another person. And our time is now. We are those people. I, um, as one does on a, it wasn't actually on a flight, but I have seen a film this week, which um, I found to be quite remarkable. It's called One Life. I don't know if anyone else has seen it, and you have. Uh, it's about a man called Nicholas Winton who uh, set up uh, the kinder transport for Jews from Czechoslovakia, partly before, partly uh, or before they were invaded by the Germans, but they weren't necessarily at war until later on in the film. And the kinder transport obviously took uh, children from Czechoslovakia, Prague in this case, to the UK. And at one point in the film, uh, it says that there were 15,000 children deported out of, Czechos uh, out of Prague, I think it said, uh, during the war. 200 of those survived. 200 out of 15,000. And yet, Nicholas Winton, on his trains, saved 669. One man, but one man alongside other men. And I have to say, uh, Anthony Hopkins is brilliant, obviously. Helena Bonham Carter, also brilliant. But what a story. 
It's not fast-paced, but you don't want it to be fast-paced because you want to listen to what is going on and feel in your heart the difference that this person is making. Some of the actors made a one-minute clip. There's always been something that pulls me to a true story. It's a story about what humans do when they're under immense stress and pressure. Go! It's a film about individuals risking their lives to help people who are desperately in need. So it's a story of humanity and about a man who's terribly modest. An extraordinary man, I think, is the power of personality that helped everyone. An amazing true story of incredible bravery. Miss Winton's life changed so many, and they'll probably go on changing people's lives. I mean, you should be proud. Save one life, save the world. The impact he's had on so many people. It's a tremendously uplifting film. Pure, true, honest, human brilliance. You have a lot of faith in ordinary people. Because I'm an ordinary person. To find a story that is so resonant for today, but also that has such redemption at the end, a message of hope, feels very important. I hope this will send a message, lest we forget. And that we, we all have the power to do something. Redemption, hope, all of those things, that essence of salvation coming from one person. Now, discipleship is similar in that it's about relationship. Teacher to student, leader to follower, friend to friend, mother or father to son or daughter. It's about following willingly and by choice and becoming day by day more like the person that we follow. And we're looking in the Gospel of Mark. I haven't forgotten that we had a Bible reading. And Mark has a turning point in his Gospel, and it occurs roughly chapter 8, verse 35. And the first eight chapters of Mark tell us about the person of Jesus Christ. Who is this? And what are some of the things that he's done? And then at chapter 8.35, it says, if you want to uh, gain your life, you need to lose it. Lose your life? Is that the end of everything? No, it's not the end as we would see end in the sense of death. It's the end of death to the old self and finding something which is new. This is discipleship. Giving up something willingly in order to follow something else. And then in chapter 9, uh, there is that, that the finality immediately is broken because right at the beginning we see the kingdom of God has come. And it's come now in the person of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus turns, literally turns and faces a different way and says, I'm going there. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. I am going for your salvation. Now, you may disagree, but the best leaders, I think, are the ones that we uh, respect. They may not be universally liked or universally, uh, but what they do need to be is universally trusted. Trust, I think, is something uh, 
that is not only best for that individual, it's best for everyone else. And at one point in the, the film, Nicholas Winton goes to see a rabbi and says, Will you, can I have your list of children uh, to help me? And the rabbi originally, uh, initially says no, and then says, do you know, this is a question of trust. Do I trust you? And then you can lead. You can have the role of leadership. You can have the role of taking these children away. You can be at the front, guiding, directing, cajoling, encouraging, being part of their future life. But it's about trust and respect. If you do a quick Google search, leaders have 12 characteristics, apparently. Self-awareness, respect, compassion, vision, communication, learning agility, collaboration, influence, integrity, courage, gratitude, and resilience. I don't know whether you agree with one or any of those, but uh, I think, broadly speaking, I'd wrap that up as respect and trust. And as disciples, we're welcome to the side of God. We hold the flag. We are the cheerleaders. The time is now. And Jesus says that his kingdom has come. So looking at the transfiguration, just three very quick things, which is why we follow Christ. Firstly, um, he takes Jesus takes James, Peter and John uh, up the mountain. And as we know, he meets Elijah and Moses, the law and the prophet, or the prophet and the law and that way around. Um, and Peter says, let us put up three booths. If you look at Matthew, it says, I will put up three booths. Uh, and and that's, he, it also says he doesn't know really what he wants to say. Um, and of course, that's telling in so many ways, because I will, or let us, is not a question, it's a statement of fact. We will do this. And how wrong is that? The fact that we have three individuals and Jesus is, in Peter's eyes, equal to Moses and Elijah. And Jesus is so much more. So much more. We cannot put Jesus alongside the law and the prophets. He didn't follow, he, well, I suppose in a sense he did follow God the Father's uh, instructions, but he was also writing the instructions. He is God. That's the point that we're trying to make. This man is not just a man. Jesus Christ is the exalted Lord. And therefore, our second point comes in, because the cloud descends, and out of the cloud comes a voice. This is my son. It's unequivocal. It's perfectly clear and unambiguous. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Again, that well pleased comes from Matthew. Is this someone doing it as an errant son, I know what, I'm going to go down to earth and see what they're about. No. This is a plan. This is proposed by God. And God the Father looks on and says, this is my son, whom I love, 
With him I am well pleased. He's doing exactly what I want him to do. That's my leader. That's the person I want you to follow. And then the third thing, that statement goes on, listen to him. And if we listen to him, we learn from him, we understand from him, and we act and live out a life which is different. We don't listen to simply enjoy what's said. We listen to learn and to do. So going back on our views on leadership, respect and trust, here we have the Son of God himself. Do we want a higher authority? Well, no, because we can't have a higher authority. This is God. Nicholas Winton earned their trust, but he was limited in what he could do. God isn't. We wanted someone who will support and encourage. Well, Jesus walks with his disciples. He teaches, he experiences and lives with them. He gives responsibility to them. And finally, he gives them and us a role to be the bearers of the kingdom of God. Jesus gives ordinary people, you and me, a role. Because we have the opportunity to be partakers in the kingdom of God and to change the world. We want a leader who can guide and direct. And so at this turning point of the whole gospel, we look to Jesus Christ and we say, do you know what you're doing and where you're going? And again, it's unambiguous and unequivocal. I am going to Jerusalem to die for you. This is direction to a new life, new hope, new expectations, new purpose in a new relationship. This really is redemption and hope. And as disciples, we give in to the leadership of somebody else. So it's just as well we've got the right leader. A leader that makes a difference to our lives. So that we in turn can trust in Christ and we can believe in him. And we're invited into that relationship by the words of God. This is my son. Whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Let's just bow our heads, shall we, and spend a moment in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you sent him. We thank you that it was planned and purposed. And it was for our good, for our future. And that through him we are redeemed and we have hope for tomorrow. So as your disciples, help us to follow Help us to follow where you lead. To be the people that you want us to be. And may our life make a difference for others. Because we have followed your leadership. Lord, as we leave here, wherever we are, whether we're here or at home, 
May tomorrow be different because of today. In your name we pray. Amen.